Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey's Ice Sport Radio. It's our rest of the league show. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. Been a little while since we did one of these, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, let me introduce first Canada's own Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, but I'm in the States now, so it's like a false title. Yeah, but you still belong <laughs> to Canada. I like to think so. Yeah, I mean, you always did, but now you live there. Sort of, yeah. For now. Yeah. It's a fluid from... situation. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. And from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, I just wanted to ask, because I wanted to see if you guys knew this. There's a hockey game going on right now in Sweden that was not promoted at all. Oh, fuck, that was today? Yep, yep. it's literally playing right now. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet about it at like 12.30 today. You ha- Every time that this game has come up, because it's only come up in reference to, hey, does anyone know that this is actually happening? And every single time, people are like, no, I didn't. Wow. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're over in Sweden. It's... Um, Who's even playing? It's Tampa and who? Tampa and Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw some of it. Uh, I I was watching it for a bit when I was putting this outline together. But man, this league just doesn't give a shit. I mean, like I consider myself fairly plugged into hockey things, and I truly had no idea that this was happening right now. Yeah, I mean, we're recording a show about the <laughs> NHL right now. And none of us like, uh, oh yeah, there's a. It's Friday afternoon. There's a game on. Clearly, we're all free because we're doing this show. No one's what. No one even knew it was happening. So, yeah, uh. that's uh, that's the NHL. Like I said, this is our this is ice sport. It's our rest of the league show. You know how it works by now. But the Flyers had a huge win against the Montreal Canadiens last night, and I want to get everyone's quick reaction to it. Um, you know, the Habs. I don't think they're like an elite team, but they're pretty good. They just beat Boston on Monday. The Flyers are on fire. 3-0-1 since the Penguins' uh, disaster. They have eight wins through 15 games for the first time since Claude Giroux was made the captain. Or maybe the second, I guess. No, the first, yeah. Uh, first time since 2011-12. Um, how are we liking this team so far? I know Kelly and I were optimistic on Wednesday. Charlie, how you feeling? Are they good? Are they actually good? I think they're fine. Um, and, no. And, I mean, I, 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 I don't think of them any different than I did going into the year, which is they're a bubble playoff team. Um, we'll see. I think there's there's things that have played out better than I expected in that the top nine of this team is shaping up to potentially be really good, especially if and when they can get a third center that isn't Claude Drew. Uh, but even with Claude Drew, I think now the Claude, that Drew is with uh, – is with Faraby and he's with JVR, who actually has been very good this year from a not being a defensive liability standpoint. Um, you have a really good top nine, and now you just need to fix the fourth line, which really should be the easiest thing because you know either you you hopefully find a young player who's good, um, or you go out and trade for somebody, or you sign somebody, or you pick somebody off waivers. Like that should be the easiest thing to fix. If that's like the biggest problem this team has then this team could be pretty good, and we'll see how they are in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, I basically went from being like, well, they might make the playoffs, too. Yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Yay! You mentioned the fourth line, Charlie. Um, they just brought up, uh, as Kelly predicted, the Andreoff character. Indeed. Um, 
I don't know if he exists or not. We'll see. But his name was on Twitter today, so I guess he does. <laughs> they keep we we we've thought for so long like we don't need these like run of the mill fourth liners that you just pick up off waivers or whatever. They have enough in the uh, in their organization to put together a competent top uh, fourth line. And when Lawton gets healthy, that's probably still true. Yeah. But do you think it's likely maybe they just go out and get a veteran to stabilize this thing and just say, enough of the constant up and down, here's what we're doing? Or do you think someone's going to win this job eventually? I don't know. You know, it's hard to say because on one hand, I feel like they do believe they came into the season with enough talent uh, at the NHL level and then at the top of the AHL level to solve this problem internally. At the same time, Chuck Fletcher isn't a super patient guy. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he comes to the conclusion that I'm just sick of watching my fourth line suck. I'm going to go out and do something about it because he, in the past, has been willing to give up on on players and, and situations that just aren't working quicker than I think most GMs would. So maybe. At this point, I still don't think they're going to, you know, they're going to, like, claim somebody off waivers or anything, but it wouldn't blow me away if they did, just knowing the way his approach to problems tends to be. I like those spicy Jason Spezza rumors, though. They're not really rumors. They're I know, just people spe- being like, hey, Jason Spezza yeah. might get waived. He's not bad. Flyers sign him. Or yes. Oh, well, yeah. Him. That's, well, yeah. I didn't yeah, say it was it a, a good the, rumor. Yeah. <laughs> it fits with the conversation that, like, we had, I think, last Wednesday that Lawton fits better on the wing. And if you have, like, a true center there with him and Raffle, that's a good fourth line. But we'll see how that all shakes out. What I've been most impressed with is. Chuck Fletcher came in, uh, Elaine Vigneault came in, they wanted to change the way things were done with this team, uh, we've been saying for same, so long, ah, oh, same old Flyers, well, they've scored the first goal nine times this year, we know how big of a problem that's been, uh, they've held teams under 30 shots nine, to- nine times, so they're playing well, uh, defensively, and they're all in, they're allowing 3.07 goals a game, and that number's coming down, now that the goalie situation seems to have worked itself out. Uh, it was 3-4-1 last year. Vigneault said he wanted to get that down a full goal. That seems, um, you know, pretty lofty, but it's coming down, so that's a good sign. Let's get to the rest of the league now, though, and I want to start on Long Island. Believe it or not, a team that I just didn't believe could replicate the kind of season they had uh, in 2018-19, uh, the New York Islanders. They just went on a 10-game winning streak. God. It was snapped last night with a loss to the Penguins, but it was an overtime loss, so they picked up points in their 11th straight. How the, like, is is Barry Trotz just that good of a coach? Because I look at their roster and think, they're all right, but they're not 10 in a row good. I mean, the Flyers did win 10 in a row that one time, and they That's weren't true. very good then, the too. Playoffs, so. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't understand how the Islanders continue to be good it's very frustrating because i don't want them to be but yeah i, I mean it's got to be trots right because it was trots and laner last year really and they lost leonard so is it just trots i don't know yeah I, I mean i guess it would have to be right because they brought in Semyon varlamov who i don't think is a particularly great goalie and now he's playing great so yeah, I guess the only logical explanation would be that it's something to do with Trotz's system. I, I guess he did. I mean, he did make a pretty mediocre Nashville Predators team for years competitive. Maybe this is just like that version of that. 
look, I'm with you guys. I, I look at the, the Islanders roster, and I don't see anything special. And you keep kind of waiting for the floor to fall out from under them, and it never really does. And there's some things they do well, like, even even by the numbers. Like, but the numbers say that they get outshot like crazy, which they do. But they do a lot better by quality-adjusted metrics. Like, I'm looking at these now. They're, they have a 45.54% Corsi, which is, go, which is garbage. But then they have a 49.08% expected goals in, at 5-on-5, which, like, isn't great, but it's certainly better than their Corsi. So, like, they definitely do a, do a good job of accounting for the the shot di- shot attempt differential disadvantage they have. At the same time, a team with a 49% expected goals for percentage shouldn't be rattling off nine 10-game winning streaks. So I I don't think they're this good, but now the you know now we're going on what like 82 games last year, so now we're coming up on 100 games of them doing this and you know, we're getting to the point where the samples aren't small anymore. Maybe they can do this. Maybe there is something that the numbers aren't picking up about this team that allows them to make their okay goalies look great and make their okay on paper defense play amazing. I don't know. Is it possible that Barry Trotz is like the only actually good coach in hockey? (laughs) (laughs) Like he actually makes teams better. He might. He might. I, the big thing with him for years was that he hadn't won a cup, and right. and then he finally and then got he his did. cup with the yeah. with the cap. So, <clears throat> yeah, I um like everyone's reaction to this team is they're not really this good. But like Charlie said, at what point do we just say, "Yep, this is they win games"? I don't know. We just saw them up close. They. I don't think they're winning a cup anytime soon. But goddamn, are they a nuisance? Like, they're just annoying to play against. Yeah, they're blocking and a spot. that'll win you a lot of games just bringing it every night. Yeah, you're not wrong. They're also blocking a spot in the Metro that could be ours. They need to go away. Yeah, they just need to cut it out. Um, <laughs> I didn't even do the... I know. It was a, a very far back reach of a reference anyway, out of nowhere. But <laughs> I just saw D- Dave Coulier in some... I can't even remember what it was, but it made me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, let's move on to the uh, to the defending champs. They just lost Vladimir Tarasenko. I thought that was kind of going to be it for them. Didn't think they had like enough in the tank after last year's emotional run all the way to winning the to winning the championship. But Tarasenko goes down, and then they win like five six in a row. But they just made a trade, fam, and. I don't know. I feel I don't know if I feel bad for Robbie Fabry, but it's definitely like man, that goal that guy had 18 goals as a 20-year-old rookie in uh, I think 2015-16. He's got 14 goals since then. Yeah. Like man, to just see how fast it can it can go away once you have that one big injury, you kind of lose your place in the lineup. Um he gets sent to Detroit. How we feel about this trade? I was looking at Detroit's cap situation and what their roster's going to be. Yeah, it's bleak right now. But in a year or two, they're going to have a ton of uh, cap space and a ton of roster spots. Fabry's still young. He could fit in there and kind of develop with everyone else. I think this is a good landing spot for him. I mean, it's a kind of a low-pressure situation for both parties. Like, it's, you know, a gamble that Detroit can make on a guy that should have been good and kind of dropped off and maybe he'll get back. And then also Detroit is terrible and everyone knows they're terrible and there's no chance of them turning that around this season. So maybe Robbie Fabry getting to play on a team where there's no real pressure to have to 
make something happen, he can get his game back a little bit. Yeah, this just strikes me as like such a Steve Eiserman trade. And it's going to take him a while to dig the Red Wings out from under, you know, all of those bad contracts and all of those no trade clauses and all those no movement clauses. It's going to take some time. But this was a trade that reminds you that, yeah, you know, he's one of the best GMs, if not the best GM in hockey. He just, he makes these deals. And I'm not even saying that, like, the Blues made a bad deal here. My guess is that the Blues were probably going to waive this guy. So, you know, you get something back for him, you put him in a situation where maybe he can succeed. I don't, I'm not criticizing the Blues to a ridiculous degree here. He wasn't fitting in St. Louis anymore. But this is exactly, as you said, Kelly, the kind of player that the Red Wings should be taking a shot at. And it might not work out. Like, as Flyers fans, we just found out last night that Sam Moran tore his ACL in the same knee for the second time. Well, Robbie Fabry has torn his ACL twice in the same knee. So it's, there's a chance that he's just never going to be the same guy he was before those ACL injuries. But if you're the Red Wings and you already don't have jack shit up front really beyond Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha and maybe happy to see you before he gets traded inevitably, like give him a shot and throw him on your first or second line and see what he can do in a scoring role for 15 straight games. Maybe you get the old Robbie Fabry back. And if you don't, you didn't give up anything for him anyway, so who cares? Yeah, uh, this I found this Pierre Lebrun quote on uh, on TSN. Uh, they asked him if this was kind of like doing a favor for a player, and he says he feels like it. Uh, the story here is Doug Armstrong keeping his word to Robbie Fabry in his camp. Uh, Fabry this summer, his agents kind of went to Armstrong and said, "Listen, if he if he just doesn't have a role here, give him the change of scenery. Maybe that will get him back to where he was. Help him uh, figure things out." And Armstrong basically said, let's give it the start of the year. Let's see how things go. Maybe he'll just pick it up and everything will be fine. And when he didn't, rather than wave him, release him, send him to the AHL, whatever, they trade him to Detroit. They trade him for nothing. And it is kind of just, uh, it sounds like Armstrong saying, here you go, kid. Here's a chance to maybe find something on a team where you will get a shot. The St. Louis Blues, despite, you know, losing Tarasenko and everything, they're leading the Western Conference right now. They're not in the mode of, hey, let's see if this kid who we used a first-round pick on in 2014 can figure things out. They're not in figure-things-out mode. They're still in win-now mode. So uh, I think it's low risk for Detroit, and maybe, just maybe he can find uh, he can find his groove there because there's some young guys he can develop with. I don't think it's as bad in Detroit as... I don't think the future is as bad in Detroit as it looks right now. Like, they have some contracts they have to get out from under, but those things are just going to expire. And then when they do, they're going to have a bunch of, like, 26, 27-year-olds who are pretty good. Yeah, and plus you have—oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you can go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say, plus you have Eisenman in charge, who's proven that he can put together a good team. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, that to me is the big thing they have going for them is they have Eisenman back. My big concern with the Red Wings, and this is something that, like, could very well get resolved in, in the next couple years just by the nature of, you know, them being bad. But despite the fact that they've been bad for seemingly forever, they don't really have any prospects where you're like, yeah, that guy's no doubt about it going to be like a franchise-changing stud. Like, they drafted Mort Sider in the, in the first round last year, and I like him, but I don't think he's going to be like a Drew Doughty defenseman. They, and I like Dylan Larkin, but I don't think Dylan Larkin is, like, the best player on a great team. 
So they need, like, one or two really good forwards. And the thing is, like, maybe they'll be bad enough the next couple years while Eisman digs them out of, of cap hell to get that guy or those guys. You know, maybe they get uh, Quentin Byfeld or Alexis Lafreniere. Like, maybe that sets them on the path. But to me, that's what they're missing is that you would, th- you would think a team that's been this poor for this long would have gotten one of those guys. And they just don't have any yet. But they could get them. And if they get them, then I think they're right on the road to uh, to being better because I agree, Eisenman's a great GM. That's It is weird. Like, they have some pretty good players about to enter their prime in or, like, in their prime, like Larkin, um, uh, Bertuzzi. There's a couple of good players yeah, there. I, 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 like, I like Anthony Mantha. Yeah, Mantha. Uh, Anthony Siu is off to a terrible start. But, yeah, I think, he's, um, I think I they're going to trade him at some yeah, point. Yeah, he's, he's probably not long for that team. They have some, like, good players, but yeah, it is weird that they're this bad uh, still and don't have, like, that next group of 19, 20-year-olds ready to knock down the door considering how bad they've been. I do the power rankings every week. Uh, if it wasn't for... My, uh, I'm keeping Ottawa in 31st no matter what all year. <laughs> uh, Detroit sucks. Like, they are freaking <laughs> terrible. They are, like, every, like, it's a bit that I'm keeping Ottawa at 31 because everyone knows I hate Ottawa. But every week I look at every team and go, Detroit is by far the worst. It's not great. Yeah, well, no. I, I always used to laugh at, and it's, it's, I guess it's not as funny now because now the Flyers don't have a GM who just refuses to give out no trade and no movement clauses, like Fletcher's willing to do it. But I always used to laugh at just how many players on that roster have no trade and no movement clauses and how many of them are just actively bad. Val Filpola got two years with a no trade <laughs> this summer. It happened in the year of our Lord, 2019. Yeah, and that was Iserman. So. Yeah. And that was Iserman. <laughs> but he clearly just likes him, and maybe he's a good guy to have around the young players when they know they're going to be losing a ton. Who knows about all that? But like, but I, I like, just... like, let me let me go through the guys they have, and they, and they dropped, I think, a couple of them last year. Yeah. So they were used to be even more. The guys they have with no trade and no movement clauses: Franz Nielsen, who's thirty-five; Oof. Justin Ablocator, who's a bottom sixer; Oof. Darren Helm, who's a bottom sixer; Valtteri Filippo, who's bad; <laughs> Mike Mike Green, who's thirty-four; Danny DeKaiser, who's bad. Like, he got the Andrew McDonald deal, and they didn't just give him the Andrew McDonald deal. They gave him the Andrew McDonald deal with the no-trade clause. Oh, boy. Trevor Daly, who's 36. I mean, Andrew McDonald. And McDonald's then John, Jonathan Erickson, who's buried in the minors. Like, that's yeah. – all these guys have no-trade clauses, and they're actively bad, it's, which means they can't trade them. They just have to wait yeah, it that's out. The, like, that's the worst part. Like, when they gave Mike Green that no-trade, it was like, you guys know you suck, right? And he'd be, like, a nice piece to move. Yeah. At the deadline, like, some team looking for a puck-moving bottom-of-the-roster defenseman would take Mike Green, and you gave him a no-trade. Well, it so looks, he, okay, so I'm looking at it. It looks like he has a modified no-trade, and on February 1st, it goes down to where he can only block trades to 10 teams. All right. So maybe uh-huh. they will trade him, but, like, he still has some control over this, which does cut down the Detroit Red Wings leverage a little bit when it comes to trade deadline day. All right, guys, I'm going to talk about another uh, actually bad team, and it's one we didn't see coming. It's my boys out in San Jose, the Sharks. Whew. They're rough, man. They're getting destroyed at five-on-five. I just... Are they just old? I know Martin Jones has... I expected him to bounce back because he's been a good goalie most of his career, but it just hasn't happened. He's been continuing to play poorly. 
Is there a turnaround in sight for the Sharks, or are they just they're just an old team? Yeah, nothing seems to be going well for them. It's a real bummer because I like that team too, but I don't really know how you fix what's going wrong with them without some kind of major roster shakeup. Like they might be at the point at which they just have to start entering a rebuild because, they're, like you said, they're old as hell. Yeah, it's just they're in a weird situation right now. I agree because they have old players, but then they, they basically what they what they tried to do this year, and I think it's just not working. Is they were like, all right, well, we got our old core, and that make the and a lot of those guys are getting paid a lot of money, and that'll be the top half of our lineup. And then the bottom half of our lineup are going to be all these young, unproven guys who we think are better than, like, the rest of the league does. And it turns out that all those young, unproven guys are actually bad, and they're not doing shit. And, I mean, that's why, like, like back in, in August, they didn't want to re-sign Patrick Marlowe. Because they were like, we don't need him. We have all these young guys. They're going to be better than everybody thinks. And then, like, two weeks into the year, they realized, like, no, these young guys kind of suck. Even yeah. though Patrick Marlowe is sort of cooked, he's still better than a lot of these guys we're throwing out there on a nightly basis. So sure, we'll bring you back on a cheap deal because you want to come back. But like, I, I do think the Martin Jones thing is a major problem because they have him signed to a pretty expensive deal, and this is the second year where he's just been bad. But like, I do think they're eventually going to turn it around. I have to believe that because they just have— they still have too many good players, and they were so good last year. I don't think losing, like, God, who is the guy I wanted the Flyers to sign, that winger? Um, Donskoy? I, I don't think losing Jonas Donskoy is, is killing that team. You know what I mean? He had a good game last night for Colorado. He's a good player. That. There's a reason why I wanted the Flyers to <laughs> sign him. I yeah. just don't think that, like, I don't think the losses they had in the summer should be devastating this team. But, like, Timo Meyer has to score more. He's a great player. He has to play better. Like, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson have to play better. They're, they should still be great players. They have to play better. And one would think they will, but they still have to do it because if they don't, then everybody's just going to expose the shit out of the bottom half of that lineup, which is filled of young players named Lucas Rattle and Noah Gregor. And you made Lean, those up. And Lean Bergman and Dylan Gambrell. No, you these made those like, up. Um, these are like year eight of your NHL franchise yes. draft picks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, these were the guys they went into the season like, hey, maybe they'll be good. And they found out very quickly, they're not. <laughs> yeah, like, last year, it didn't click right away for the Sharks. They weren't actively bad, but it took till, like, early December before the chemistry really started to go. And, man, they just look, uh, they just look like an old team right now. Uh, yeah, like, Carlson and Burns, there's no reason for a team with Carlson and Burns to get burned like they are at 5-on-5. Five five. Mm -mm. I'm sorry. Um, I guess they're just missing Justin Braun that bad. You, you, know what, like, you know what is really hurting them, actually? And, like, this is something that like, I noticed it when I was doing my research about Braun. And it was one of those things where I was like, wow, I did not realize that. Like, Mark Edward Vlasic is cooked. Like, I, I think he's actually finished in terms of being good. And they're paying him $7 million a year until 2015, until 2025, 2026. And like, holy he, shit, he looks horrific. And that's scary. I mean, that's like, like, unless he somehow turns it around, that contract quickly can become like Brent Seabrook bad. 
and he used to be great. Like this isn't a, this isn't an Andrew McDonald situation. Vlasic used to be a great defensive defenseman. He was one of the rare defensive defensemen who was actually what like hockey people thought he was which was actually good at preventing chances and goals. Mm-hmm. And like about a year and a half ago, it started going down. And last year he looked bad. And this year he looks worse. And they desperately need him not to be cooked because, as I said, they have him for another, what is he? He's 32 years old. They have him signed for this year and then another six years after that with a no-movement clause. Man, that, they that's desper- devastating. They desperately need um... – Torelli to get another job. That's yeah, right. <laughs> get a fucking all-star forward for him. Yeah, he solves all the problems for teams that he doesn't work for. He's not a right-handed shot though. So ah, oh, well, uh, yeah, that's that's tough. That's yeah. tough to deal with. That <laughs> you could only trade Taylor Hall for a right-handed shot. It didn't matter <laughs> if he was good. He just had to be a right-handed shot. It was like the JVR trade on steroids. Oh my god. Yeah, that might. Oh. It's crazy, the the decisions. Like, I value defensemen over forwards most of the time, especially just, like, scoring wingers. But goddamn, some players are good at hockey and some aren't. Yep. Like, I just, it blows my mind. What, uh, anyway, speaking of scoring wingers, guys, uh, this has come up a lot recently. It came up on my post game a couple of games ago. Um, it came up on Twitter last night. Barry Melrose actually mentioned it on In the Crease on ESPN Plus that I watched this morning. Alex Ovechkin scored twice last night, uh, twice on Thursday. He's got 13 goals this season, tied with Matthews and Dreisaitl for second in the league. Um, That gives him 671 for his career, 12th all-time. Man, he's got a real shot at Gretzky's 8-9. He's going to break this record. It's going to be so cool. I I, I hope he does. I mean, he's got... A lot of time left to score That's, 200 goals, which for he's him, got, he's 34 years old. So you gotta believe he doesn't have that many elite seasons in him still. But he's clearly on his way to another one this year, and a couple, like one or two more. And it's really, to me, gonna come down to if he wants to keep playing and if he wants to keep playing in North America. I can't imagine a world in which. He's not a 22-goal scorer just playing on the power play. Yeah, because yeah, that's exactly that's the thing about Ovechkin. Like, yeah, he's getting older, but he's so good standing in one spot on the ice that all you have to do is put him out there and let him skate to that spot, and he's going to score 30 goals. Like, it's yeah. it's not even a question. Yeah, like, so, okay, so let's, let's do some quick math here. So right now he's a 671. He's at 13 goals this year. I think we can say with relative certainty he's going to score 40 this year. He might yeah. score. He's might. We might score 50, but he's at least going to hit 40. So give it. Let's give him another 30 goals. That puts him at 700 to end the season. Gretzky has 894. If yeah. we say like he's what he's he's 34 now. Let's give him another two years of of 40 to 50 goal seasons. Suddenly he's at 79800, and then he's just got to squeeze another 100 goals out of the rest of his career. Like, yeah, I think he's going to do this. God, it'll be so cool if he does. And that's, it's not like the points record. Like, the points record is never coming down. No, no Gretzky, if he never scored a goal, would have the points record. That's Mm -hmm. how freaking many points he has. But uh, this, to me, it's just if he wants to go back to the KHL. That's it. That's what it's going to come down to. If Ovi wants to just keep playing, he's breaking it. 
I think if he, I kind of feel like he's the type of guy that if he knows that he's sniffing this record, he's going to play until he breaks it. Because he can. Yeah, really, it's going to be if he wants the record. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine he doesn't, you know? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be the most prolific goal scorer of all time? If he really, it's going to come down to health and desire more than anything. I think he has all the ability in the world to break it. But it's, man, like a year or two ago, I would have been like, nah. It's still, I know how great he is, but I just don't see the production continuing. Oh, it has. (laughs) It has. (laughs) Yeah, and like without slowing down really at all, which is impressive. I I, I think what's going to help him too and you know maybe this is just the way the league is going but i do i do suspect like i i don't think we're going to ever get to a position where the league makes it harder for goals to be scored i think in terms of rules that are that are emphasized and in terms of the way the game the games it changes in terms of pads and things like that like i don't think it's ever going to become harder to score goals the nhl is only going to make it easier which is only going to make it easier for Ovechkin to squeeze more and more years out of his career as he gets older. And when you talk about, like, how the league has changed, Charlie, that's the other thing. Like, adjusted for era, I, like, Ovechkin already has the record. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, he's, the, like, he's the best goal scorer of all time. Like, mm-hmm. Ovechkin has accounted for, I'm going to say, more than 50% of the 50 goal seasons since he's come into the league. The dude is freaking incredible, and it's not like an era where everyone's putting up 35 goals. It's actually very few guys. Like, true goal scorers, oh, he had 28 this year, man. He's a goal scorer. Like, it's not like anyone's putting up 90 effing goals. Do you think people appreciate how good he is? I, um, yes and no. Um, I, I always just feel like he's... He's always been backseated to Sidney Crosby for, uh, like, a thousand reasons. Like, he's Russian. Crosby was the generational talent, all that kind of crap. But, um, yeah, sometimes I wonder if people realize just how good of a hockey player they've been watching for all these the years. Cup, the cup helps, and now yeah. that he's 34 and still doing it in a league that's trending younger and younger. Uh, and the other thing... Fuck, man, defenses still haven't adjusted to him. One of his goals last night, he's standing in a spot on the power play. Everyone is looking to the defensive left. Everyone is puck watching. Puck gets slid across the ice, and he buries it in an empty net completely unmolested. It is rem- Like, he's standing by himself. It's remarkable how often he is able to just skate there uncontested and stand there and then score a goal. It's wild to me. Like, nobody... Like, why wouldn't you just put a guy on him and say, don't let him stand in that spot? That's your whole job for this game. Don't let him stand in that spot. Somehow, no team does it. I, I feel like I, I feel like Ovechkin, to answer your question, Bill, Ovechkin, I think he's already very popular, and I think people already realize that he's very good. But if you think back to Yager, there was a very extensive period in Yager's career where I don't think he was especially well-liked around the league by fans. Oh, God, no. Mm -hmm. But it was that last run, those, like, last five or six years after he came back to the NHL when everyone just collectively decided, no, Yarmor Yager's the man. And I have a feeling the same thing is going to happen to Ovechkin when he's, like, declining but still good. Mm. And people are going to be like, no, this guy's hilarious. He's, like, he's a treasure, and we're never going to see the likes of him again, so let's just enjoy this. And that's when I think everyone is going to come to the collective conclusion of, like, holy shit, this guy was unreal. 
that's I think it really started um like the cup like I said helps but I think it really started when he was shit faced at the All Star game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was delightful. Were like, oh my god, this is great! But like to that point, you know, like the Flyers at the old Spectrum. Anytime they played the Penguins, they'd show Yager on the big screen and play "Dude Looks Like a Lady" just because of the <laughs> long hair. Like that was right, just a right, thing right. that happened. I think once like a younger generation just kind of started to be like, you know, who are really boring. Hockey players, <laughs> we stopped hating personality because Charlie, you're in the locker room after every game. I love Claude Giroux. He is a franchise legend. I got no desire to hear that guy give a quote. I don't give a shit. Well, that's like I when, don't... When, when he made the um, when he made the joke. What was it like two weeks ago? He made the joke of the uh, like the life is a highway joke. Oh god, that at was the so end, funny. At the, at the end of his thing, and like honestly, it wasn't even that funny. But it was just what was funny about it was like the pause of everyone in that scrum everyone had just registered like wait did clutcher just make a joke <laughs> holy shit and then we all started laughing i don't know if that would have been funny coming from anyone else but because it was drew it was just as much the shock of claude drew trying to make a joke that was what made it funny because oh, well, he so dad. rarely does he's a dad now he's got that dad he's got, he's dad got that dad yeah. strength man he's, he can make jokes now Kelly, I'm going to defer to you on this next topic because, like I said, you are you're our resident uh, Canada senior correspondent. The Leafs are like pretty good. I wouldn't say they're they've been great so far, no. but they're winning more than they're losing. And they just got Tavares back. He scores an OT winner, and yet people seem to think they're not good. So yeah, I know it's it's hard to take the Twitter the hockey Twitter bubble seriously like this is obviously not doesn't constitute the entire NHL fan base but it's interesting to me that I follow a lot of Leafs people and I obviously read a lot of the national hockey guy stuff um and there seems to just be a lot of like consternation about the state of the Leafs like they're not playing super well they're not doing well if you didn't if you weren't a hockey fan and you just read Leafs news you would think this was like a bottom-of-the-barrel team. They're second in the Atlantic. Austin Matthews is leading the league in goals. Like, I don't – it's just weird to me because I am kind of one of these people who looks at the Leafs and is like, why aren't they better? But, in fact, they're actually playing okay. Like, they're winning games. And it's just a weird disconnect for me that I don't really know if it's just that the Toronto hockey media is insane um, or if it's me looking for them to be suffering because of Dave Haxtell, and that's funny to me. Um, but yeah, it's just like a weird thing. I didn't, I actually didn't realize that they were second in the Atlantic until this morning when I started looking, um, cause we play them tomorrow, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's Kelly, weird. You, you know what your first, first, uh, problem was? Your What's first that? mistake was following lots of Leafs people. Oh, <laughs> this is Fair. just what they, this is what they do. Yeah. Like it, Leafs fans and Leafs media and Leafs blogs, they're just like Eagles fans. I was gonna say they are. They're they're it, it's it's Eagles Twitter and Eagles online just put in Canada with a different sport. Like they're they're batshit insane and they will never be satisfied because they always are expecting the rug to be pulled out from under them because it always is. Mm. That's what I was it boils say, down to. We've been we've been joking about how we as Flyers fans and we as Flyers media react uh, to every game like it's an Eagles game. In Canada, it seems like every Maple Leafs game is an NFL game. It is, absolutely. Like, 
Absolutely. Freddie Anderson lets in one soft goal, and he needs to be waived. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> the, the, Freddie, the Freddie Anderson thing was mind-boggling to me because, like, this isn't this isn't a secret. His entire career, he sucks in October. He does it every single season. His save percentage in October is 9-11, which is his worst save percentage of any month other than March. Every never other forget. Every, never forget. <laughs> every other month, he's over 9-15, and November through January, he's over 9-20. Like, every year, he sucks in October. And every year when he sucks in October, the media and fans lose their goddamn minds. Like, this is just what he does, okay? Like, you got to accept the fact that he's a slow starter, and then in November he turns the corner and is back to being a great goalie again. But every year they lose their goddamn minds about it because, again, they're Leafs fans. So the best way to follow the Leafs is not to follow the Leafs. <laughs> I'd say that's true of all things. That's true, yeah. The best thing, is, uh, yeah, the best way to enjoy anything is to not pay any attention to it. Yeah. Um, I, I got to ask. Because, man, I, no one wanted Mike Babcock more than me when he was available a couple of years ago when he left Detroit. Um, Toronto doesn't seem enamored with him. I am convinced he's a bad coach. Is he? I was going to say, is he a good coach? I don't I, think I, he is. Or I did he just have Pavel Datsuk? Exactly. No, I, I think he's a good coach. He like, again, I, I, again I, I think you're being heavily influenced by Leafs fans. Charlie, he I plays Cody Cece a lot. He like, does. He Agreed. seems... He seems to have a lot of similar... Like, if you were to take out the name and just read what's said about him, it's exactly what we said about Dave Haxtell. It's very similar. Yeah, but he's won. Dave Haxtell has won. Yeah, but he won with a hall of, like stacked Hall of Fame hockey team. Yeah, back in, the, back in the late 2000s, then the entire 2010s, he had a shit Red Wings team that he consistently kept good. All right. Not fair. I think he's a good coach. Is he like an amazing best coach of all time no probably not he's a good coach he's very clearly a hockey man which is going to lead to him having some blind spots but it kind of goes back to what I talked about with Elaine Vigneault when the Flyers hired him like if you coach in one of the big eight media markets in in hockey you're going to get eviscerated it's inevitable. And sure. one of and one of the things about Elaine Vigneault that made him seem, I think, like a worse head coach than he was to a lot of people who just casually followed Elaine Vigneault's career was the fact that he coached in Montreal, Vancouver, and New York. Like, of course, every one, every one of those fan bases is batshit insane, and every single one of those fan bases nitpicks every little mistake or thing they disagree with and blows it up into, like, he's actually a bad coach because of this. And I yeah. think Babcock is kind of in the same point right now, except that Toronto is all those markets times 100. Yeah, I was getting like, uh, the, you just named three of the, like you said, eight markets where you even hear about, you know, an out-of-town coach. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I couldn't tell you who coaches the Canucks right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, 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 yeah, but that's the thing, um, like, like some of the guys who, like for example, Dave Tippett. Dave Tippett is the kind of guy where, you know, he's got a reputation of being progressive. And when he got brought up as the possibility for the Flyers hire game, it was like, yeah, I like Dave Tippett. That'd be a good hire. I like him more than Vino. I guarantee you Dave Tippett makes just as many hockey man type lineup decisions as Elaine Vino does. It's just that we don't hear about it because no one in Phoenix cares about hockey. So there's no one complaining on Twitter constantly about the fourth liner playing on the second line for a week. 
Yeah, the the you know the fifteen thousand uh, Coyotes fans that exist are just happy when the doors are unlocked. <laughs> exactly. <when they> get <laughs> exactly. Uh, I want to wrap it up here, but I found something funny on Twitter. Uh, I think last night was the first time I saw it, but I saw it retweeted this morning. Uh, somebody on Reddit found a direct correlation to the quality of James Harden, the superstar of the Houston Rockets, his level of play in road games, and the ratings of strip clubs in the cities he's playing. <laughs> and he plays worse, the better the strip clubs are rated. That's amazing. Uh, and I just wanted to know, what's like the NHL equivalent for this? Like, is it the place with the best ice fishing? Like, the place with the best rodeos? What is the NHL equivalent? Best golf courses, maybe? <laughs> I mean, I guess it used to be, like, the best clubs. Because that yeah. was the big thing with uh, Vancouver and the Roxy, right? Yeah. Was that, like, players always went to the Roxy and then they played, like, shit because they got, like, blitzed the night before. I don't know how much of that still is a thing. Because yeah. I, do think, I do think players party less now. But I'm sure that it is to a degree. Like, I, I, I don't doubt that there are some cities that are more fun than others. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I 100% think the Vegas thing is a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. I, um, I got to think, like, maybe the cities with the best, um, like, uh, Fortnite club. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Like the cities with the best free Wi-Fi, maybe? That's the best Wi-Fi connections. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere where you can hardwire into the Oasis as a team. I still oh, don't I even do fucking know what Fortnite is. I don't know either. I don't it's... know. <laughs> I know that uh, Carlos Santana smashed a TV in the Phillies clubhouse last year because of it, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think I think our boy, uh, our boy Joel Farabee is a big Fortnite guy. Oh, no! That means I mean, his career like... is over! He's like a 14-year-old. That's not surprising. <laughs> we already know that Fortnite ruins lives in the NHL. Uh, I will say, like, Farabee looks young, but I wouldn't say he looks 19. Like, he looks, I, I don't know, I feel like he looks more mature than I do. Well. Well, I mean, well you have facial hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some. He, he I mean, definitely, he, he might act more mature than you do. He definitely yeah, can't well, grow a beard. There's no no yeah. chance he can grow a beard. I don't know. I feel like he doesn't look... Uh, he doesn't look old, but I don't think he looks 19. No, I agree. I, I think, like, if I'm talking about, like, players that look like they shouldn't be in the NHL, like Jack Hughes leads the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He looks like he's 15. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but... like, yeah, Mitch Marner still looks like a child to me. That's true. He does. Yeah. Especially when he's wearing, like, a hoodie. Uh-huh. Then, like, he really looks like a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, um, it was uh, last night on pregame, they cut to, like, Anson Carter and did the, it's why I asked last night on Twitter what goalies have the Flyers actually ruined in the last 10 to 15 years? Mm. Like, my contention is none. They've why, just did, all did he, sucked. Did he say that? He was like, well, they've ruined a lot of... They were just talking about Carter Hart and stuff and been like, well, the Flyers have ruined a lot of goalies in the last 10 to 15 years. Just kind of offhand. That is like, something. We've had a bunch of shitty goalies, but I can't say, like, we've ruined any of them. No. Like, without the Flyers, Steve Mason's out of the league in 2013 and he never comes back i don't like i i can't name anyone we ruined i just think they all sucked yeah. but i wanted to like see what the actual time frame was of 15 years yeah that's this a weird is the, one this is the 15th season since the full year lockout wow that was so long ago yeah yeah and the only one who i could like i could sort of 
and I, I don't I don't blame the Flyers or I don't blame the fans. I don't blame the media, but like. I do think there probably was a way to make Roman Chekmonic work. Yeah, that's actually and a like, good point. And, like, he just could not get along with his teammates because he was an asshole. But, like, there probably was a way to figure that out, and they just did it. Because he was good. He was very that's, good. Uh, someone brought up Chekmonic, and I was like, yes and no. I don't think it. I don't think it's the Flyers' fault yeah, that his I, teammates I didn't like him. Yeah, like he. Some people are just dicks. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just saying. Like, I think there was yeah. probably a way to figure that out. Like, Tim Thomas was a dick. He also led the Bruins to a cup because he was an awesome goalie. Like, there probably was a way to work around the fact that he was a dick. They just couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah, if they score more than like three goals in five games against the Senators, like you can probably figure out a way to make it work. <laughs> but they didn't, you know. Uh, but. Yeah, I just, I found that, like, it was an offhand comment, and I was like, I'm not saying we've handled netminding well. We haven't, but ruined isn't the right word. No, it's not. I mean, they, didn't, just, they didn't ruin Bobrovsky. They just stupidly gave up on him. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not like no, he became like, a bad goalie. They just should I, never have gotten, they should never have went and got Briz in the first place because they already had the guy. They just got impatient. Yeah, I was guess they ruined Bob for themselves. Exactly. I would, I would love to be ruined to uh, the tune of $70 million in two Vezina <laughs> trophies. Like, I'd be a big fan of being ruined in that way. All right, so we bookended this show with Flyers talk. It is, of course, the rest of the league show where we talk about everyone but the Flyers. So it makes sense we're keeping our streak alive in that regard. I think that's all the time we have for you. I don't know even how long this show was. I assume it was a decent enough length. But hey, it's ice sport. We don't have any obligation to you people. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> So that's all the time we have for on Sport Radio. Uh, anything else, guys, before we wrap it up? I think I'm all set. Yeah, I all think right. we're good. All right. Happy Friday. Uh, my name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody.